Hi, I'm Lydia Wietzma, and today our podcast, uh, Solving Life's Next Chapter, we have two of our sponsors uh, today that we wanted to introduce to everybody. And we first have Kim Yates. She is the VP of Business Development and Director of Business or Patient Advocacy with Savior Hospice and Palliative Care. And then we have Rebecca Rocco, the Phoenix Area Market Director for Dispatch Health Mobile Urgent Care. Welcome and thank you for coming. Thank you for having us. So one reason why we wanted to put this podcast together, and I, I appreciate the sponsors, the one reason why we put this together was mainly because we all work in the senior industry. And what we do is we do a lot of um, health fairs and we do a lot of seminars and we try to get with the uh, adult children with their seniors when they have issues. And inevitably, um, they either don't come to those health fairs or seminars to learn about some of the issues that could happen later on in life, or they come and they don't really get all the information that they need. So when an urgent situation comes, mom falls, dad has a stroke, now we're all in a kind of a flurry as to what do we do and how do we get them there and they end up in the ER or maybe they end up on in palliative or hospice. So the podcast is really more for getting the information and educating the general public and also the adult children of those that have seniors and and for seniors that are helping other seniors in in their neighborhoods. So um, so let's first talk to Kim. Kim, you are um, hospice and palliative care. And we're going to have both Kim and Rebecca on at another time, kind of more in detail. Today, we just want to introduce you and kind of give us an overview as what you do. So give us, get, tell us what your company does. Yes, thank you again for having us. Um, again, my name is Kim Yates, and I am with Savior Hospice and Palliative Care. And we have been in the Valley for many years, but what I love about our company is that we've hand-picked our people. Most of our staff are seasoned. Um, as many of you know, there are many, many hospice agencies in Maricopa County, and I you're probably shocked to know that there are over 90 hospice agencies just wow. in Maricopa County right. alone. And one thing I do take a lot of pride in is that we do handpick every individual of our team. Um, we are kind of in the mid-size company. We're not the largest and we're not the smallest. Mm -hmm. um, and you are one of the few that actually have palliative care. Right. So explain to us what specifically is palliative. Yeah, it is a little confusing with palliative because community palliative is not a regulated service or program like the hospice benefit is. Okay. So um, when patients have a terminal diagnosis and they're progressively declining under the hospice benefit, there's certain criteria that they need to um, have in order to qualify for that service. Right, okay. Um, with palliative, um, it's a little bit looser because it's not a regulated program, if that okay. makes sense. So some hospice agencies do have a community palliative program, some do not. Right. Um, our particular agency, we do have a Medicare certified palliative program in which nurse practitioners, nurses, social workers, chaplains can actually go to the home mm. and get care 
um, even if they're not, even if they're continuing to seek aggressive treatment, right. even if they're a great example might be a cancer patient right. where they're not really quite ready to give up their chemo and radiation because they want to fight their cancer, right? Right. right. And so um, in but they that need case, some, but, but they, they need, need a little support. bit of services. Yeah. Yes, they okay. need some support. So that would be a really good opportunity for that patient and family to take advantage of some palliative support. Okay, gotcha. Maybe get that social worker involved to mm-hmm. assist them with their living will and their advanced directives. Yep. And maybe get some home care involved or perhaps they need placement. They might okay. need to get a no placement to assisted living community. Gotcha. So there are two separate programs. Right. There's hospice, which is very regulated, and then we also have pre-hospice, right. which is otherwise known as palliative, palliative care. Okay, that makes sense. And then, Rebecca, um, you work for an amazing company. And Thank I, you, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> give us kind yes. of, tell us what your company is and does, and um, because I... I have referred a lot of my clients to to you, so kind of give us an overview of what your company does. Thank you. Uh, we are a mobile on-site urgent care provider. Uh, we were born, we're about six years old, started in Denver by an ER physician, born out of a 18-month um, pilot uh, in the Denver EMS system. Dr. Marth, Dr. Mark Prather, our CEO, actually rode along with EMS and triage patients right on site. So that's how we were born. Uh, Dr. Prather is still at the helm. We are owned and operated by ER physicians. Um, we provide urgent care on site. I like to say we can do anything that happens in a standing urgent care with a little piece of the ER. Okay. So we can uh, see just about anything in, in a standing urgent care. We can stabilize a minor fracture. We can treat cold and flu symptoms. We okay. can do um, ear infections. Okay. Uh, just anything stitches. you... Stitches. Um, yeah, stitches. Yes, stitches, Do you have a machine where if someone needs... To, like if they're thinking that they may have a heart attack or stroke... We have you, an EKG. Yep. So we have a CLIA certified lab. We have an EKG on board. Okay. Uh, the only thing we do not do is uh, mobile radiology x-ray. And we bring okay. a third party in to do that. Okay. But we can do just about anything covered under the cost of your urgent care copay. Okay. So on average, we're with our patients about 50 minutes on site. So okay. I like to remind people when you're in your primary care office, you may get seven or eight minutes with your primary care physician. Yep. So nationally, on average, we are with our patients wow. um, for 50 minutes on scene. Wow. Average time to scene could be one to three hours, depending on the day. We're an on-demand service, so right. I, you know, we try not to give exacts because it all depends on the day. Right. Um, we're open seven days a week, 365 days a year, nine to nine. So uh, on the weekends as well. So what I like about your company is obviously you were created from the um, medical field and from the ER department doctors yes. that probably saw there was definitely a need for this. Exactly. And I have seen your you come in your vans and the van I tell people that the vans are equipped. Well it's actually a in our market it's a Prius. Oh, so it's Prius. not a van. Okay. Okay, sorry. <laughs> it's quite small and inside <laughs> in, and inside each is we're a very well branded Prius right. and inside each Prius are seven 
medical kits, and they're grouped okay. by condition, GI, ENT, ortho. So it's um, as though you're coming with an ER yes. Room right. It's equipped. a. It's just an absolute genius okay. idea. So, so it's a nurse practitioner and an EMT okay. or a PA and an EMT that typically come together as a team. Okay. And then there's always an ER physician who has virtual oversight okay. every day. Gotcha. So if a, if if a patient wants to speak with a physician, we can call a physician whoever is there for the day right. and and have them speak to a physician. Right. So. One thing, my oldest daughter is a registered nurse, and she is neurotrauma. And last winter, we here in Arizona obviously get a lot of winter visitors, and um, every year our hospitals get very full. And because we're dealing with just the re regular residents that live here, but then we also have a slew of winter visitors, mm -hmm. which is awesome for Arizona, except if you get sick and you're having right. to go to the hospital. So last year she said to me, Mom, we're in code purple phase one. You need to tell your clients and their friends that if they are sick or if they feel that they um, have any kind of issues to either go to a mobile ER department or go to urgent care. And so last mm -hmm. year I was referring you a lot because I didn't even know what code purple phase one meant. And she said, well, we don't have any beds available in the hospital, but we still are admitting through the ER. Mm -hmm. Well, most hospitals here in the Valley last year had that code and and it always happens every year. So um, a lot of my resident or clients that I was working with, I would tell them, tell your friends and family, because obviously you work with a lot of seniors, but some of them may also be non-senior related. Right, we see ages folks. three months mm -hmm. to yeah. the end of life. So. so so for you guys, I would think having a mobile ER come to someone's home or you also go to group homes and yep. facilities. We'll, we'll go to an office, to a soccer field, to at, oh, wherever wow. you need us. We'll go anywhere. Oh, okay. That's We're good mobile. To, okay. So, that's yes. good to know. So if they're being treated more in their own environment, yes. less likely yes. to have right. and, issues and, and things like the, that. The issue for us being a new a new young company is mm -hmm. we're trying to change that habit of calling 911 first. Right. So we are working with a surprise fire now here in in uh, in Maricopa County um, to triage patients on site with their crews. Okay. So the habit is to call 911. So and what, people need to change mm -hmm. that. Right. And we are out yes. there. We're out every day in our community teaching people what is really an emergency because we want our first responders to be freed up to respond to true emergencies. Right. And so it's just it is changing that habit, um, and and that's what we work toward every day is getting people out of that you know habit that habit of calling 911. Yep. So. So when you're working with the Surprise Fire Department, mm -hmm. what exactly, give us what like the process is for that, for someone if they get called by the fire department. So if, the, if they call the fire department, particularly in Surprise, the crews are gonna get on site, they're gonna triage to us. So what happens when someone calls us? So you, we've got three ways to access care. You can call us, mm -hmm. you can get on our website, or mm -hmm. you, we have a mobile app. Okay. So they're, what they'll do is they will expedite that call through our clinical support center, okay. and they do a triage risk stratification. So it's, it's, a, it's a call um, that typically takes uh, probably about 10 minutes, okay. because we're trying to find out, number one, whether this 
this is uh, something we can see. A true see, emergency. Or yeah. something we need to talk to an ER physician about okay. or something that needs to go to the ER. Gotcha. So we look okay. at it in three ways. So we've expedited that process for surprise fire. So they will be able to triage quickly on site and leave the patient, let them know with an ETA when we will be there. Okay, gotcha. So it almost sounds like, because when you work with, um, not that people shouldn't call 911, but it almost they will get instant yes. care immediately right. and it may help suffice maybe if especially like if they're having a stroke or a heart right. attack and that those minutes make a big difference right well the things like strokes and heart attacks are something that need to go to the er okay so we uh, that is what we have a proprietary software platform that was built by Dr. Phil Mitchell, um, who has a wonderful TED Talk, if anyone has a chance to see okay. it. It's called ER House Call for the 21st Century. So he built our risk stratification platform. Mm-hmm. It's his baby. So uh, it, that's actually how we triage our patients. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. It's very efficient, and we have a clinical support center. Uh, that's our call center. We have three. We have one in Phoenix, one in Dallas, one in Denver. Okay. So calls route through that. It's typically an EMT on the other end of the phone right. that you're speaking with. They're working through that through that software Okay, platform. gotcha. And approximately, do you know how many um, patients you see? At the, I know it was a piloted program out here, but you've now been out here for a few years. Right. Well, we've just started our pilot program with Surprise Fire. It's okay. just begun. Just so, beginning. Okay. Um, we went back to them because our, our risk stratification process was a little too long for them. So okay. we went back and actually expedited it for them. Okay. So is there, hopefully, if that works out, you are going to go to other municipalities and... and Absolutely. Meet, okay. And uh, and municipalities have reached out to us. Okay. So uh, I would there's a so. lot of interest in what we do. Yeah. Yes. So, so, so we have it, three vehicles on the road now. Okay. Uh, hopefully a fourth by September. We okay. have two that dispatch east and one that dispatches west. Okay. So it's safe to say that if it works out, which I think it probably will, you will end up in Mesa and Phoenix and Chandler yes. and Gilbert and... Well, and um, EMS is going through a transition. They have, um, they're they're looking at funding mech- mechanisms through a project called ET3. Oh, so okay. So it's, it's something that we will be looking at nationally. And yes. is, so that's a national... That's a national okay. initiative, yes. Okay. So... Um, Anything, what is probably your biggest call that you get called on? I know that for the seniors, a lot of... UTIs. So here's the problem about the summertime. People do not drink enough water, especially seniors, because they don't want to get up and run to the bathroom. Right. Right. So dehydration, um, that that is, first of all, a terrible problem for our seniors. It can lead to a fall, dizziness, all of those things. But it also leads to a UTI. So um, there's, it's a UTI is something we do very well. Okay, uh, it, it's something we get called on every day for. Wow! So yeah, during falls, the summer, so falls are not necessarily your biggest calls. It's more, it's more the I would say upper respiratory, COPD, okay. CHF, and okay, UTIs. Okay. Wow. Yes. Well, drinking water is very drinking important. Drinking water. But we, I, we go out and educate in our senior communities on okay. hydration. Okay. And I know that generation probably doesn't drink enough water anyway because they weren't raised on drinking no. and water. And they think coffee is water yes. or iced tea is water. <laughs> yes. And, you know, my dad is 92 and I have to remind him your coffee is not a glass of water. <laughs> right. It's a constant conversation. That's right. That's right. Well, um, so let's talk to Kim, too, about um, I know that when it comes to hospice, a lot of people look at hospice as end of life, which it is, but 
what I find is that a lot of people call hospice too late and they, you know, they get on hospice and then they're gone a week or two later. Tell us what the best, I mean, tell us hospice is more for um, not necessarily the length of time, but more the care and, and it's to make them comfortable during that time of transition. So give us, what is, kind of give us the process of it and who calls hospice mm-hmm. or can someone call hospice on their own or how does that yeah. work? Actually, it's a really great lead in question because typically people think that to initiate a hospice referral, it has to go directly to the doctor or the right. doctor. Anybody can initiate a hospice discussion. Oh, It can okay. come from your neighbor. It can come from your family. Now, to actually admit a patient onto the hospice program, we do need to have a physician's order for that. Yep. Um, but anybody can initiate it. And I think all too often, folks really don't talk about it um, because there is still that stigma that hospice is dying right and it's we're giving up hope and it's at the last at the very end and actually statistics show that when hospice is brought on sooner Mm -hmm. than later Mm -hmm. that it actually improves quality of life for the patient okay and actually it lengthens the lifespan okay so so statistics show about 32 days longer that the patient will live and they'll live healthier with a more quality of life when they are brought on to service earlier than later. Okay. In fact, we get so many comments from families, you know, because not only are we treating the patient on the hospice benefit, but we're, tr- we're treating the whole entire family. Yep. But they say to us time and time again, had I only known about this service sooner, yep. because it's a fully covered benefit. You know, oh, and okay. yeah, so so it's not just for Medicare patients. Okay. All insurance mm-hmm. plans have a hospice benefit in I their insurance plan. I did not know that. So interesting, too, is, you know, we think of hospice and we just think about, you know, the 80-year-olds and the 90-year-olds like right. your father. But actually, patients are coming onto service younger and younger yep. because of many different reasons. Right. Um, so we actually have contracts with all of the insurance providers, not just Medicare. Interesting. Yeah, I so did not that know really that. Mm-hmm. It yeah. really is. And um, it's interesting that the average age for hospice is actually younger than it used to be. It's actually gone down. And so, you know, we have patients that have been diagnosed with a terminal cancer, right. for example, right. and they have made a decision not to pursue mm-hmm. um, aggressive treatment. Right. And so therefore, they just want to comfort, comfort and they right. want pain medica- management, right. symptom management, and not for, you know, pursue that aggressive treatment. And actually, quite honestly, oftentimes those patients live longer. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Now, I have heard, because um, some of my clients who have been on hospice have actually gone in and out of hospice. So mm-hmm. explain that, too, because I think people think once you're on hospice, you're on it forever. You know what I mean? Right. Until till the end. And um, that's not always the case. Yes. And actually, um, many patients, when they come on, they're not 
they don't have to sign a contract like they have to stay on for a period of time. Okay. It's just it's the way that Medicare is set up is that in order for them to stay is that they have to demonstrate a, certain things. A, 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 progressive decline right but they are more than welcome to come on they can they can come off services okay. if they go to the hospital for example they oftentimes are actually discharged from hospice okay and then once they're ready to go back home or wherever home right. is right then that's really typically when we bring them back on okay um, actually patients about 10 percent of patients um, actually graduate interesting hospice, which okay. is really People think, again, right. that it is truly the very end, but right. oftentimes those patients get better right. and we have to discharge them off services because right. they graduate. Right. They no, no longer qualify. Right. Um, the patients can come on and off services. Yeah. And what I think I like about hospice that people don't understand is everybody thinks, like you said, it's for the patient that's that's end of life or going through that terminal um, sickness. But a lot of times you guys will bring in um, help for the family. So it relieves some of the stress on the family side of things, correct? Absolutely. Yeah. That is such a huge component. Um, and it's important that when we were providing our service in the home, and again, it's not a place. I think there's a misconception that hospice is a place to go and die. Right. And that is definitely not the case. It's a service that we provide wherever the patient is. Okay. It can be in a group home, um, a, a private home, okay, an assisted living community. So we can bring them where our services wherever the patient is. Okay, got it. Got and it. Um, that that component of treating the family mm -hmm. is really important mm -hmm. because oftentimes the family is really who they're, are stressed out to the max. I was going to yeah. say a lot of times they're probably more stressed yeah, than the right. actual patient because right. the patient has actually resigned themselves and they've they've gone through you know their time of I, I they've forgiven family and they've taken care of how they are at peace. A lot of times mm -hmm. it's the family that's more stressed out and it's the family that needs probably more of those services than than anything is that what you that's find? exactly yeah. what I find and let the wife be the wife and the husband be the yep. husband and the children the children and not the full-time caregivers. caregivers right and I did hear a statistic and you ladies tell me if this is not true but um, I heard that 60% um, of of the caregivers pass away before the patient Oh yes, oh, that, sure. because yeah, of the stress and we because of the physical. The okay, so that is a true. We have statistic. a little eighty-year-old woman trying to take mm -hmm. care of her eighty-seven-year-old husband, oh, right? Yes. Frail, and and we see it all the time. Yeah. yeah, and I just wanted to say too that it's really important for both hospice and palliative care, and that's why we can work so hand in hand with Dispatch Health is that most of these patients, they really don't want to be going back and forth to right. the hospital. That makes because sense. Because actually that's where infections occur. Exactly. And actually they're not in the comfort of their own home. So right. we promote wellness when we provide that extra care and support in the home. Mm -hmm. And also to add to that is that 24 seven nurse line. Mm. So yes, we could even contact you all to come to the home, but that 24-7 nurse line, whether you're on hospice or you're on palliative care, is really integral. Mm -hmm. And we also can provide palliative care and home health at the same time. Oh, that's interesting. So, so how does that work? Yeah, so oftentimes when patients are in 
a hospital setting and they're going home mm-hmm. after they've had their work up, even if they've broken a hip and they're right. going to rehab and then from rehab they're going home, right. they typically go home on home health. Right. And that's a good time to actually bring in the palliative services. Okay. Because typically home health is pretty short term. Right. And there's some plans that actually limit their how physical, many hours they yeah, physical therapy visits to, you know, three visits. Okay. And so it's nice to be able to have that adjunct to palliative as well, especially for those COPD, CHF, okay. um, infections, um, stroke patients. Okay. So there's a lot of that extra support that can be provided to the home right. with palliative care and home health care at the same time. That is very interesting. I have never heard that mm-hmm. from anybody. So that's actually good yes. information. So, well, we are almost time's up now. So um, I really appreciate you both coming in and talking to us and we will have them both in on a separate time for a 30 minute because obviously palliative and hospice is much diving deeper into specifics and then dispatch health who is a mobile ER, um, they will come to your home so you don't have to go to the hospital. They have some great services and some good information and tips and tricks on on how to keep yourself healthy and not have to go to the ER or have to have them come to, to help out. So I really appreciate not just you being here, but also being the sponsors of our podcast of Solving Life's Next Chapter. And um, we will have both Kim and Rebecca back Um, at a later date. So thank you so much and thanks for coming. Thank you. Thank you so much.